This is the Radio Bible Class, and I'm your host, Tim Carter. We welcome you to our Bible study as the Radio Bible Class streams across the nation and around the world. We bring to you a message how Christ ministers to his disciples after the resurrection. We greet you on the internet and radio with the message that Jesus is alive today. Now today's lesson is titled, Making Good Choices, and it comes from 1 Samuel 23, verses 1 through 13. But before we start our lesson today, Word Talk Inc. could use your support. Now playing music on the radio may sound simple, but actually it's quite costly due to publishing rights and royalties. And before that first song is ever played, there's utility bills and tower rental fees and maintenance and so forth. We need people just like you to help with the tax-deductible gifts. So won't you do that today? You can do that by calling us at 601-483-8648, and there they can take your information safely and securely over the phone. Or mail us your gift to Word Talk, Inc., P.O. Box 4334, Meridian, Mississippi, 39304. Now, your gift to Word Talk, Inc. is IRS-approved as a 501c3 tax-exempt ministry. Now, your contribution is never used for salaries or managerial purposes, but 100% of it goes to the expense providing the good news of Jesus Christ to our listening area. Hebrews 13, 16 says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. If you'd like to go back and listen to a previous lesson, you can do that by going to our podcast website. That's Radio Bible Class with no spaces between radiobibleclass.podbean.com or listen to us on iTunes or Amazon or wherever you catch your podcast in the podcast section. Search for WMER Radio Bible Class with no spaces between Radio Bible Class. Today, we continue back in the book of 1 Samuel. As we get over here into chapter 23, it's very similar to chapter 22. David is on the run from Saul. King Saul is trying to kill David. But I want you to catch today is that David is in a different mindset, that he is now making good choices because he's going to God first. When we look back in chapter 21, David was on the run and he was just doing whatever he thought he needed to do. We saw him go to the priest over at the city of Nob. Ahimelech was at Nob, and he was the priest there, and he asked him for bread, and he asked him for a sword. And we saw last week that while he was there getting that, that one of Saul's chief herdsmen saw him there. This man's name was Doeg, and he was a servant to Saul. He was an idiomite which did not like the nation of Israel. Yet he's working for the nation Israel because he's working for King Saul. Anyhow, he reports back to Saul. Saul gets upset. And then in chapter 22, where he does this reporting, we see that Saul calls in Ahimelech. And he asks him, why have you been a traitor against me? Why have you helped David? And he says, whoa, 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 before you start accusing me of something, let me just tell you what happened here. I am not a traitor. David came to me. David asked for help. He told me he was on a special mission with you, so I don't know what you're talking about. Anyhow, I did give him some bread, and I also gave him the sword of Goliath. And this made King Saul so mad that he ordered that his men kill him, but they wouldn't. They respected God enough that they wouldn't kill a priest. But Doeg, the Edomite, didn't respect the God that we serve. He didn't respect the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so he says, I'll do it. And so he kills not only Ahimelech, but he kills all 85 priests that are with him. But during this massacre, one of the sons of Ahimelech is able to escape. And he flees to David. He tells David. And we see that David takes responsibility. David says, it's my fault. But if you'll stay with me, I promise I will protect you. 
At the beginning of chapter 22, before all this killing went on, David fled to the cave of Adullam. And there he wrote two psalms, and he got in tune with God. And we're going to see today in chapter 23 how he reacts differently than what he did in chapter 21. How he was acting out of his flesh and out of his own worry and trying to do it in his own strength. And today we're going to see in chapter 23 how he goes to God and how he's acting out of God and what God tells him to do. So with that, that's where we are. We'll start in chapter 23. I'll read the first couple of verses. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 23. We'll start in verse 1, and I'm reading out of the ESV. Now they told David, Behold, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah and are robbing the threshing floors. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and save Keilah. But David's men said to him, Behold, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more then if we go to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? Then David acquired again of the Lord. And the Lord answered him, Arise and go to Keilah, for I will give the Philistines into your hand. And the men of David went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines and brought away their livestock and struck them with a great blow. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. And we're going to stop right there for now. So I want you to see immediately before David does anything, what does he do? He goes to the Lord. He asks the Lord. We're going to see in this chapter that he goes to the Lord for a third time. But here in just these few verses, he goes to the Lord two times. And he asks God, do I need to go into battle? As we've seen over these last couple of chapters, David has been through a lot. He's had the high immediate fame where he killed Goliath. And then because of that, the people started singing a song about how he killed his 10,000 and Saul only killed his thousand. That set Saul on fire. Saul wants to kill him. Saul comes up with some ways to deceive him by letting him marry his daughter. He also tells him to go get the foreskins of Philistines trying to kill him there. And now he's had Saul directly come where he was. He's trying to kill him. But we saw last week that he went to the cave of Adullam. And there David had a change of heart. There he went from a time of backsliding to a time of finding God's face. He couldn't go to Samuel anymore. He couldn't go to Jonathan. He could only go to the house of the Lord through prayer. And that's what he does. You say, Tim, how do you know this? Well, if you listen to last week's lesson, you know that he wrote Psalms 142 there, where he talks about being in the cave. He also wrote Psalm 57 there. He had a change of heart. God spoke to him and he turned. He had a change of heart. He turned back to God and he started seeking God first. And we see all that right here in verse 1. The Philistines are fighting against Keilah. They're robbing the threshing floor. That would mean that they're coming in there stealing their grain. The threshing floor is where they would stomp out the grain and they would make it into a wheat that they can make their bread with. Anyhow, the request comes to David. Now, David's not the king. King Saul is the king. But remember, I told you about the fame of David. And so the people ask David to come help. They don't reach out to King Saul or if they have, King Saul has not fulfilled his role as king in protecting them. I want to make that crystal clear. It is King Saul's job to protect Keilah. It's not David. It was Saul's job to fight the Philistines. It wasn't David's. But Saul's not doing his job, and the Lord calls on David to do it. 
What I want you to understand is I don't know what you're going through today, but you may be fighting your Philistine. You may not be physically fighting the Philistines, but there's something you're fighting in your life today that is your Philistine. And I want you to know that God will send someone your way. God loved his people so much that he didn't want them to suffer, especially with this unfaithful king that won't protect them. So he asked a man that can do it. He sends David to do it. God directs David to act like a king, even though he's not the king yet. And what I'm trying to tell you is that God will send somebody your way to help you through this time. Just keep your eyes open. Keep depending on the Lord as you go through this battle, and God will send relief. But what I really want you to see right here in this first verse is that David shows his wisdom and now his godliness. There's a couple of responses David could have had when he heard about this. He could have first said, this isn't my responsibility. Let Saul deal with that. I'm trying to save my own life. Again, he could have said, well, let's go. I can fix this problem. I know how to kill the Philistines. I've done it before. Either way would have been foolish. But David was wise because what did he do? He inquired of the Lord. He went to the Lord first. Let me ask you, what do you do first? Do you pray or do you plan? Do you say, hey, this isn't my battles? Somebody else is going to fix this for me? Or do you try to fix it yourself? Or do you go to the Lord like David did? And we see the wisdom and the godliness and the change of heart that David has because he goes to the Lord and the Lord says, go to the battle. Now look here at verse 2 with me. David inquires of God. It says, therefore, David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I go attack these Philistines? And then down in verse 4, again, he inquired of the Lord again. We see that David prayed first. David didn't go alone. David prayed first. His first response was prayer when he got his heart right with God. What I believe and what David shows us is that David knew what you should do when you're in time of need. If you're going to make good decisions, then you're going to go to God before you do anything else. If God isn't in it, it's not worth doing. And David shows us that. And a matter of fact, if you flip over to Psalms 145.18, he didn't write this in the caves, but he did write this. He said, the Lord is near to all who call to him, to all who call upon him in truth. The reason why he could write that is because he understood God had had a conversation with him before. God had shown him how he was faithful time and time again. And David has now turned his backslidden heart back to the Lord, and he realizes that he needs to call out to God first. And God tells him, yes, I'll give them over to you. The other reason why he did this, I think he knew that his four or six hundred men, we'll see in a minute, they're not enough to overturn the Philistines. But David calls out to God, and he knew that with his few hundred men that he wouldn't win on his own, but with God that he would make a provision and he would make a way that it would happen. And what happens? Well, we'll see that he is victorious. That's what it tells us in verse 5. Look at verse 5 with me real quick. And David and his men went to Calah and fought with the Philistines that brought away their livestock and struck them with a great blow. So they didn't just win. They won with a great blow. They took their livestock. David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. That's how that verse ends. I love what the prophet of Jeremiah was inspired to write in Jeremiah 33.3. He says, call to me and I will answer you, show you great and mighty things which you do not know. That is God speaking through the prophet Jeremiah. The only time that Israel was able to beat the Philistines, and you can go study this 
is when they had God's help. I think about my life and all the times I've made decisions that I thought made a lot of sense, but they turned up being a flop because I didn't reach out to God. I'm like, God, uh, I'm going to put you on the shelf right now. I got this one. But you know what? Even the simplest of decisions that we've got to make, if we want to make good decisions, we've got to go with God. We've got to go to God and we go to God first. We don't plan it ourselves. We go to God and seek what God wants us to do. If you want a tweetable moment right now, I want you to write this down. If God is not in this, then I'm not going. If God is not in this, then I'm not doing it. If God is not in this, it's not worth doing it. I'm only doing it when you tell me to do it because I need your help. That's what you need to write down in your notes today. If God's not in it and if God's not for it, then you shouldn't do it. I don't care what it is. In the book of 1 Chronicles in chapter 16, they bring the ark back. It's a beautiful day for the nation of Israel. They bring it, put it in the tent, and David penned. He had them sing in 1 Chronicles 16 11, Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. He was able to tell them to sing that because why? Because he knew that God would never let you down when you seek and you have his guidance. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on what? Your own understandings. But in all your ways acknowledge Him, and guess what? He will make your pathway straight. A lot of us aren't walking a straight pathway because we're not going to God first. We're doing it in our own strength. But that very verse that Solomon wrote says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Does, you know what that really means? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not most of it, not some of the time, not most of the time. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. That means all the time. Lean not on your own understandings. In other words, I don't care how simple it is. Don't try to do it in your own strength. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Ask him first is what he's saying. In all your ways, do what his word says. And what happens? What is the gift that we get from that promise? If we will trust him with all our heart, if we'll not do it in our own strength, but in all our ways acknowledge him, it says that our path will be easy. It'll be straight. It won't be a curvy road that we have to meander back and forth. Too many of us are meandering back and forth because we don't trust in the Lord all the time and we do it in our own strength. So I'm going to ask again, do you pray first or do you plan first? What do you do first? 1 John 5.14 tells us, now this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. As adults, we need to be completely dependent on God and everything. The decisions that go wrong in your life are because you aren't going to God. If you bought a house that wasn't right, did you really go to God before you bought that house or did it make sense? That new job that you took that's not really the job you thought it was, did you pray about it or did the money allure you to it? Too many times we don't completely depend on God. The last verse I'll quote before we move on is Ephesians 6, 18. Ephesians, if you listen to me very much, you know is my favorite book in the Bible. Now, this section of scripture in Ephesians 6, 18 is talking about the whole armor of God. But what does he say in 6, 18? He says, pray at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication that to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. What he's saying is stay in prayer and supplication all the time. When you're going through trials, when you have to make a decision, 
He's telling you put on the whole armor of God. That's all about fighting the battle. Now, how do we put that on? We do it by reading God's word, and we do it by prayer and supplication. All right, let's read verses 6 through 14 real quick. When Abathar, the son of Ahimelech, had fled to David to Keilah, he had come down with an ephod in his hand. Now it was told Saul that David had come to Keilah. And Saul said, God has given him in my hand, and he has shut himself in entering a town that has gates and bars. And Saul summoned all the people to war, to go down to Keilah and to besiege David and his men. And David knew that Saul was plotting harm against him, and he said to Abatar the priest, Bring the ephod here. Then David said, O Lord, the God of Israel, your servant has surely heard that Saul seeks to come to Keilah, to destroy the city on my account. Will the men of Keilah surrender me in his hand? Will Saul come down as the servant has heard? O Lord, the God of Israel, please tell your servant. And the Lord said, He will come down. Then David said, Will the men of Keilah surrender me and my men into the hands of Saul? And the Lord said, They surely will surrender you. Then David and his men, who were about six hundred, arose and departed from Keilah, and they went wherever they could go. And when Saul was told that David had escaped from Keilah, he gave up the expedition. And David remained in the stronghold in the wilderness, in the hill country of the wilderness of Zeph. And Saul sought him every day, but God did not give him his hand. And we're going to stop right there. So we saw in verse 5 that God gave over the Philistines to David. We also see in this passage of scripture, though, that it's no longer 400 men that was in chapter 22. Time has passed. Now he's grown this army to 600 men. And word gets back to Saul that they're there and they have saved Keilah. And Saul says, great, God has given him to me. Now I want you to notice something here. What does Saul do? Does Saul go and seek the wisdom of the priest? Well, first he can't because he killed them all. Secondly, he doesn't pray to God. The Bible tells us that he immediately orders them to go to war and go down and perceive David. Well, David catches wind of this order. The Bible doesn't tell us how. It doesn't tell us how Saul found out either, but word gets to Saul that he's there. Saul calls him to order without going to God. I want to point that out again. But we've already seen David go to God twice. We're going to see him go a third time. Here, he relies on God again. He always depends on God. We see in this passage of scripture, he asks God again. He says, okay, God, we won with you right down here in Keilah. I hear about Saul coming down here. Is he going to come down here? And we see that, again, God responds and said, yes, he's coming. And then the second thing he asked him is, if he comes, will the people of Keilah turn me and my men over to him? And he goes, oh, yeah, they will. What I want you to see in my second point is that we need to always depend on God. I mean, I've already made that crystal clear. We need to ask him first, but we need to depend on him. We need to go to him. Saul didn't do that. We see that David gets away. God gives him the answer, so he and his men flee to the stronghold in the mountains. We need to always ask God first. And we need to always depend on God. David could have easily said, well, we took this city. We, we took over the Philistines. We had, gave them a, a big blow. But he didn't. He knew where his strength came from. He says, will these men turn us over when Saul sends an even bigger army down here? And God tells him yes. And so he knows that he needs to depend on God. But look at what happens. He's blessed by being obedient to God. You might go, Tim, well, what do you mean by that? 
He isn't blessed. He has to flee the city. He doesn't get to stay in a city. Now he's got to go back to the hill country. He's got to go live in caves. But otherwise, if he hadn't depended on God, if he hadn't been obedient to God, if he hadn't obeyed God, then we see that he would have lost to King Saul. And Saul gives up his search for him because he hears that David gets away before he can get down there and take care of him. And so because David is obedient, he has a victory. Now, it's not a victory where he kills Saul and all his men, but he has a victory that he doesn't lose his life and he doesn't come into captivity. I want you to see, though, that his past victory that he did when he won the city didn't mean that he was going to have future success. Before you go into any fight, Every time you go into a fight, what we saw in Ephesians, every day we need to get up and put on the full armor. Every time we go into battle, we have to seek God's will. We have to go to him first, and then we have to listen. We have to obey if we want the blessings and the win and the victories. And so we see David's obedient in verse 13. Look at it with me again real quick. Then David and his men, who were about 600, arose and departed from Keilah, and they went wherever they could go. When Saul was told that David escaped from Keilah, he gave up the expedition. This makes me think about what Jesus taught his disciples in Matthew 10. In verse 16, he says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. What Jesus is saying is that it's dangerous out there. So we need to be wise as serpents. We need to be bold and trusting in God's promises, but we also know to be wise in avoiding unnecessary danger. And that's what David sees. He's heard God's word. He obeys it. And what does he do? He and his men go wherever they can go, whatever they can do to avoid danger. We saw in this section of scripture that David had a priest that he went to and he used the ephods for God to speak to him. But today, God primarily speaks to us through his word and through prayer. And that's the key to find out what God wants you to do is you need to be in his word reading it. And you need to go and ask God in prayer. We don't pray enough and we definitely don't study our Bible enough. Be bold and trust in God just like David. Be wise in avoiding unnecessary danger. Find strength in God by seeking him through his word and through prayer. Most of you know that I am a big grace person and I believe that we are saved by grace and that we walk in grace. But because of grace, we obey and we submit to God's word. Obedience is surely acting in grace. And out of that grace, we understand why we obey. We don't do it out of ritual. We do it out of grace. But I want you to understand that there is a part of salvation that is obedience. And we have to obey God's word. Jesus asked this question in Luke 6, verse 46. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? We have to be obedient to God in his word. And when we do that, guess what? Watch how much better your decisions will get. Well, we've seen David have victory twice today, but I'd love to tell you that it ends that way, but it doesn't. Because look at verse 14 with me real quick. And David remained in the stronghold in the wilderness, in the hill country of the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day, but God did not give him into his hand. So there is a victory that God didn't give him into his hand. But guess what? His threat didn't immediately go away. Even though he has a turn of heart and we see that, Saul still seeks after him every day. That's what verse 14 tells us. Saul sought him every day. We see the unrelenting pursuit that King Saul has after David. That he's so obsessed with killing David that he doesn't give attention 
for what God has called him to do. He doesn't take care of his people. We saw that today. But we see in this very verse that he is focused and he searches after him every single day. And what I want to tell you is that we're going to have victories. And we got an ultimate victory. That's what the Bible tells us. But as we have these victories, we got to realize we got to still get up the next morning and put on the full armor of God. We have to get up every morning and read God's word. We have to get up every morning and pray to God. We need to pray constantly to him. Because guess what? Just like Saul sought after David every day, the devil is like a roaring lion seeking to devour those that he can. But as I pointed out as we read this verse, but God did not deliver him into his hand. Saul can be as determined as he wants to. The devil can be as determined as he wants to to make your day a rainy day. He can try to cloud up and rain all over your day. But God can ultimately keep you from being delivered into his hand, just like he did for David. God has given us free will, and people can do as they please. But he is ultimately sovereign. He controls all events. He can take any bad event and make good out of it. And that's what God does. Man can work all kinds of evil. He can do it intentionally. He can attempt that evil. But God is still in charge and in control and he's sovereign and he can make the final outcome. And we see that right here in verse 14. I'm out of time. So let me close with this final thought. Let me start by asking, do you make good decisions? If I was to say, raise your hand, I can't see your hands over the radio, but if I were to say, raise your hand, if you don't make good decisions, we would all have to raise our hand. And why do we not always make good decisions? Most of the time is because we put God in a box and we put him on the shelf. The Bible says that God wants to be the Lord of your life. The Lord of your life. Now, do you know what that really means, Lord of your life? That means that he has control of all of your life. Not some of it, not most of it. The reason why a lot of us don't make good decisions is because we say that he's Lord of our life, but there's a lot of times we leave Jesus out of our life and we do it in our own strength. I remember as a teenager and even when I was in Bible school singing a song called Jesus Be Lord of All. And some churches still sing, but the song really has a meaning about what I'm talking about right now. It says, Jesus be the Lord of all the kingdoms of all my heart. In verse one, it says, in my heart are kingdoms, a world that's all my own, kingdoms that are only seen by myself and God alone. In the past, when I've tried to rule my world, it just seemed to fall apart. So please, Jesus, be the Lord of all, the kingdoms of my heart. But I like verse two even more. It says, I guess I only fooled myself for I said I had yielded all, but in the secret corner of my heart was a kingdom that didn't fall. I surrender now, make my heart your throne. Rule its kingdoms, great and small. For if you're not Lord of everything, then you're not Lord at all. The question for you today, is there a small corner of your heart? Is there a part of that kingdom that you haven't let fall yet? Today is the day to surrender it all, to surrender the part that you haven't given over. Go and fall on your knees right now as we pray that God would be Lord of all. Let us pray. Dearly Father, we come before you today, Lord, and I thank you for allowing us to see the change in, in David's heart. We saw in chapter 21 how he's running in panic, how he's doing things in his own strength and how he was making mistakes and ultimately cost the life of all the priests that were with Ahimelech. 
But today, Lord, you showed us that. What did David do first? He went to you in prayer. Before he did anything, he asked you. We saw when Saul heard about where David was and how madly he wanted to get at him, he immediately sent people down there. He didn't ask anybody what he should do. But we saw David three times reach out to you and say, Lord, what should I do? Lord, I pray for the one that you're knocking on a heart today. Lord, you're knocking on someone that is facing the Philistines. Lord, had they given it to you? Lord, you're, you're knocking on the heart saying, hey, why haven't you given it to me? Why didn't you come to me first? Why did you try to do it yourself? Lord, I pray today that they will ask for forgiveness and Lord, they'll turn it and give it to you, put it at your feet. Lord, I pray for the one right now that, like David was when he got to the cave of Adullam, where his heart was backslidden, where he wasn't relying on you, he was doing his own strength. Lord, there are some today, they're listening, they're saved, but for whatever reason, they're trying to do it in their own strength. Lord, I pray today that they would ask for forgiveness of that. Lord, maybe there's one that doesn't know you at all. I pray for them today. Lord, whoever that is, Lord, I pray today that they would believe on their heart that you died and went to the cross, but not only did you die, but you rose again. Lord, your, your word tells us that if we will confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that you died and rose, that we will be saved. Lord, I, I pray today that they will ask you to be Lord of all. Lord, then they would chase after you and they will be obedient to your word, just like we saw that David was and how you blessed him because he was obedient. David wasn't perfect, Lord, and we're never going to be perfect, and we're going to ask for forgiveness when we do sin. But, Lord, let us realize that it's not just one prayer, but we are to love you and follow after your word. You asked your disciples, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Lord, we thank you for your many blessings. Lord, we thank you for your teaching and your guidance. Lord, it's in your name we pray. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.